Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of Kill program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So in today's episode, we're going to be discussing something that's extraordinarily close to my heart and something that I've become somewhat synonymous with, and that is journaling, okay? I am an enormous advocate of journaling. It's somewhat of a hot topic in the in the public eye and in social media at this present moment of time, and for good reason. I genuinely believe that it is the only non-negotiable tool that should be in the toolkit and the arsenal of the aspiring high performer of the driven, determined, and motivated individual. We have used it to devastating effect with hundreds of individuals of our clients inside the Hard to Kill program who definitely fall into that category, into that, that bracketed criteria. And both the anecdotal data that we've been able to produce about how well they, they perform and how much they go on to be able to achieve and the levels of change they, they have in their perspectives and, and their worldview are just exponentially off the charts. And that married together with the now overwhelming body of literature and research coming out of really, really high performing institutes and world leading scientists about how it impacts and affects not only our psychology and our neuromodulation and our neurochemistry, but also how that directly downstream impacts on our physiological health, you know, it is now too vast a body of work to ignore. Now we're going to get stuck into it. I'm going to talk about, you know, the common problems associated with it, why it is that we use it. And I'm actually going to go on to give you a, a number of settings and, and scenarios in which you would look to utilize journey. And then I'm actually going to share with you some frameworks and some questions about how to facilitate it, because we'll get into a moment the most common problems, but safe to say one of the most commonly experienced problems are simply not knowing where to start not knowing what to say, so on and so forth. So at the, end of the, the end of the day, we get these driven blokes who are determined to achieve the greatest potential of their lives and, and experience true fulfillment and go on to achieve exceptional things. So they, they they lean wholeheartedly into journaling. They go out on a limb about something that's maybe had a bit of negative connotation in, in the past. They get out their pen and paper and they sit there staring at a blank pen and paper and they're like, well, what am I even supposed to write? How do I even get started? Because there's no formal education. There's no way you can really uh, look to that utilizes and demonstrates journaling in a performance performance environment. So we're going to get stuck into that. So as I, um, I as I laid out, first and foremost, I want to identify the common problems. And these are things that we hear all the time. Whenever we get candidates and applicants into the program, you know, we, we do obviously a great deal of different processes that look at, okay, how can we improve self-awareness with the knowledge that emotional literacy comes for emotional intelligence? So how can we increase emotional awareness? And then how can we increase uh, self-regulation? So the first thing we have to do is obviously in increase self-awareness and journaling can be a fantastic tool for us to actually facilitate take that. But for want of a better phrase, a lot of people think it's fucking useless. You know, unfortunately, it does have a negative connotation. It has been associated with, I'm not trying to offend people or step on their toes here, but it has been associated with uh, a sector of society that is maybe somewhat unappealing to the high performer, to the ambitious individual who's involved with law enforcement, the armed forces, so on and so forth. Those people who are slightly left of centre, 
who are maybe a little bit more in touch with their emotions or maybe a little bit more emotionally sensitive. And it's typically been their domain where they, they write about their feelings and they create poetry and so on and so forth. And I'm not trying to be deliberately disrespectful here. I'm trying very hard um, to be tentative and, and navigate my way across a very, very, very thin tightrope without offending anyone or causing any upset. But the truth is we can all definitely immediately resonate and identify what it is I'm trying to get at. So to that extent, a lot of people have, have cast it aside as a tool that's only used by that category and those types of people. But the truth is that, that is simply not true. And I'm really, really happy that some world leading institutes up to and including tier one special forces over in the States are now starting to look at this as a tool uh, for psychological development to improve resilience, robustness, so on and so forth. So it definitely is not useless. So let's let's deal with that problem first. The second is, you know, we do have as individuals who are professional and proactive and do aspire to be the greatest versions of themselves who are willing to un unearth these rocks and look at these solutions and these potential iterations to solve their problems. But then they simply don't know how. And that's definitely the second and most prolific problem that we see is people just literally don't know how to do it. They're like, well, do I get a, a pre-formatted journal? Um, and I'll talk about that in a moment, why I don't believe they're necessarily a good idea. Um, do I get a pre-formatted journal or, um, you know, do, do I just write down like how my day's been or how I'm feeling? Like, what do I do? I'm not really sure how to utilize that. And at, at the core of, of many high performers and ambitious individuals, we aspire to be the best at what we do. And if if the, the if it feels ambiguous or it's uncertain, we don't know what we're doing and there's an inherent fear of failure or fear of evaluation there, we just won't do it because we want to save face and the ego is telling us stories about, you know, we don't want to feel stupid. We don't want to not do it correctly. Um, you know, we've rightfully so, we've got to experience and receive a return on invested energy. So if we're just sitting there writing stuff down and we don't know if it's impactful, useful or beneficial, or if it's actually, you know, contributing to the admission, then we're, we're, we're more hesitant and reluctant to actually engage in that behavior in the first place. So, you know, that's definitely the second thing is not knowing how to do it. The third issue we kind of tend to run into and we see most commonly is that people do try it. They do kind of have an understanding of how to facilitate it, but then they just aren't consistent with it. Okay, so they'll do it for a couple of days or even a couple of weeks and then they generally just like park that habit and, and move past it. And you have a conversation with an individual and they're like, okay, I've got these intrusive thoughts and I've got feelings associated with anxiety and I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z and there's these emotional things going on and it feels a little bit overwhelming at this present moment in time. To which you respond, okay, like what's your journey practice been like lately? lately? Oh, well, I was doing it, but I uh, I kind of sat off in the past couple of weeks. Okay, initiate your journal practice once again. Okay, cool, mega, get straight back into it. Yeah, mate, feeling mega, we're doing it for a few days. It's giving me absolute stillness, clarity, peace of mind. I know what I've got to do and I'm moving forward proactively. I've got self-compassion, I'm driven. I know how to regulate my emotions, fucking all over it. Mega, a couple of weeks passed, mate, fucking got these intrusive thoughts. I'm struggling to sleep because I've got all this stuff about work on my mind. Where's your journal practice at? Well, yeah, I was doing it in it. So it becomes like it's somewhat of a cyclical behavior. So in that regard, I actually relate this to the psychological equivalent of the physiotherapist. Now, anyone who has trained or been prolific with physical conditioning or is in sort of a physical culture, been in the military, so on and so forth, will definitely be familiar with having to go to the physio. Something hurts. It's probably fucking broken. So you go to physio, okay? And the physio's like, right, okay, obviously we know you've been shit canning, you're stretching. We know you're about as mobile as a brick. We need to change and impact and affect that in an effort to, you know, reduce dysfunction, uh, reduce pain and get you back to what it is you aspire to do. You being a diligent and professional individual, it's like, yeah, fucking gleaming, give us that program, I'll get stuck in. And you're doing your rehabilitation work every fucking day, diligently, twice a day, three times a day, whatever is asked of you. And then you're being proactive with like prehabilitative stuff. Before you know it, a couple of weeks later, the pain has subsided, dysfunction is no longer that sort of problematic. So it gradually just percent by percent, day by day, gets truncated and then avoided. And then one day not doing it becomes a week not doing it, becomes a month not doing it, becomes the niggle has returned. Now you're in fucking pain again. And from six months to six months, you're now back in the physio's office with, if not the same, a very, very similar dysfunction. Okay. Now, journeying is the exact same 
principle as that, but it is with the mind, okay? And it comes down to as humans, we have to be able to do without seeing the immediate necessary benefit of our doing, okay? So it again comes down to delayed gratification, something that so many of society struggle with because we live in a quick fix culture. And don't get me started on that, but we live in a quick fix culture where people want it quickly and they want it now. They want a fucking painkiller rather than actually working on the habits and behaviors and actions that are going to continue to safeguard them like indefinitely moving forwards. But the, the old adage is so true, the prevention is easier than the cure. So those are the four sort of main problems that we tend to that we tend to see when we're we're looking at journaling from the outset. So with all those problems being articulated and communicated, it's probably the case that you can identify with at least one of those different situations, scenarios that can be problematic for your journaling practice. And that's obviously gonna hold us back from all of the benefits we can actually get from journaling. So now I wanna quickly touch on why it is that we use it and why we're such advocates of it in the Hard to Kill program, okay? Now understand the actual practice that you use or the questions you ask or the frameworks you sort of subscribe to are going to be determined by the intent. So if we use again analogy of strength and conditioning. If you're going for a run, the intent is going to determine the practice. So, you know, if we're intent on increasing VO2 max, you could expect to find yourself doing hill repetitions where you're hitting 90, 95% of, of, of maximum heart rate, as opposed to if your intent is to build aerobic based conditioning, then you might be going out doing 60 minutes of zone two or zone three uh, long slow duration. So what it is you aspire to achieve will, will, you know, allow us to reverse engineer what strategies we need to implement on that day to facilitate that, okay? But at the core of it, you have to be very, very aware that mental state through the most recent studies done as recently as two years ago, the mental state or, or mindset, as it's obviously referred to most frequently on social media, accounts for 50% of performance. 50%. That's an absolutely enormous number. It's far too enormous to ignore. But then hazard a guess as to how much time we generally allocate to the study and implementation of mental performance practices. That's less than 5%. And that's in elite individuals. Okay, so if we, if we take a sample of general population who, yes, are driven and determined to achieve exceptional things, we're, we're offering out, we're failing to identify, we are not <laughs> looking at excavating something that impacts 50% of our performance. So although it's a platitude that I see all the fucking time on social media, that I'm leaving no stone unturned. Well, actually, you're leaving an enormous fucking boulder in the corner. You're not going anywhere near because you perceive that it it's, it's soft and fluffy, that it's a, a bit fucking wet and that you don't know how to do it. So for us, that's not really a sentiment that we accept and we're definitely not prepared to allow 50% of our candidates' performance to go unexcavated or unexplored because of an inability or a lack of skill or experience or understanding about a topic that, that really should be more commonly spoken about and that's obviously why we're here today. So as I spoke about in the introduction, what I want to do is I want to run through multiple different settings and scenarios. And I believe I've got about six different settings and scenarios as to why we would be using the journal and how we can facilitate the, the maximum output or the maximum advantage in each of these different circumstances and scenarios, okay? Now, obviously, some of these are gonna have a slight crossover and some of these are gonna be married together somewhat inseparably. I'm gonna do my best to, to work our way through that and understand that the goal here is not to give you these, these questions or these frameworks or these understandings as a finite resource. These are very much just a framework. These are a blueprint. These are a spark that you should then take away and allow to build into a roaring fire, whereby you're always aiming to engineer new questions for yourself, to expand the understanding of your mind 
mind and how you personally work. So obviously in the Hard to Kill program, we spend a lot of time with each and every one of our clients as an individual, understanding what makes them tick and how they they tend to think and through what um, paradigms and perspectives that are currently seeing the world, then we can obviously offer them insightful questions that allow them to engineer their own questions to go on and, and really excavate and explore their own intrinsic fears and belief systems and motivations. And that's hugely beneficial. So what we aspire to do today is I guess plant that seed and help you understand, okay, these are the generalized settings. And this is very much like a starter kit that will help you build somewhat of an arsenal toolkit that obviously you can then develop on and build moving forward, okay? So the first of the practices that we want to talk about is gratitude, okay? So you, you've seen gratitude spoken an enormous amount about it on, on social media and on the wider web, but if you've done your own research, gratitude is immeasurably powerful. Um, obviously, you'll be familiar with any research that shows you know, massive boost in the neuromodulator serotonin and dopamine when you express gratitude or you receive gratitude. And understand it's not necessarily that that we're looking to do in a journaling practice. We're not just looking to get a warm and fuzzy feeling by writing down, I am grateful for my dog. I am grateful for coffee. Come on, fucking scratch below the surface. Don't be fucking bone about it. What we're actually looking to do here is working on the principle that you cannot experience two contrarian emotions at one time is we're looking to flip the switch and take us from a state where maybe we're feeling emotions that are experienced uh, that are associated with negative connotations and actually begin to express positive emotions that then could be a gateway to working more proactively to, to creating solutions and, and feeling generally happier and more fulfilled. So understand going into this as a golden rule, it is impossible to feel two conflicting emotions at any one period in time. So I, I encourage you to try and feel angry and grateful at the same time. I encourage you to try and feel anxious and grateful at the same time. I encourage you to try and feel fearful and grateful at the same time. It is simply not a possibility based on how it is actually wired and how neuromodulators work. It's not going to be a possibility for you. So in an evening or at any time of the day, if you are having uh, feelings or thoughts associated with anxiety, if you're having intrusive or racing thoughts, or you're fearful, or you're generally unhappy, you're feeling low, so on and so forth, this is why it's enormously impactful for us to be able to express gratitude. So one thing we identify with gratitude as a practice is it's quite hard for people to actually get into this in the first instance. But what I mean by that is if you've experienced it and you practice it for some period of time, it can be quite easy to do because you can think on that level when you realize how grateful you truly are for the, even the most simplest of things that you have. You know, if you've got a fully functioning heart and you, you're respiring lungs and you know, you've got your, your health and you've got your happiness, there are so, so many things that, that, that they're supposed to be grateful for. What I would avoid doing is expressing gratitude for things that are materialistic. And what I mean by that is, yes, it's okay to be grateful that you have them, but let's scratch a little bit below the surface because if you have them by default they can also be taken away from you so looking to express gratitude for what it is that you've done and the people that have facilitated and supported you in doing that so more deep and meaningful connection and expressing gratitude there so you know if you've been able to buy yourself the car that you always aspire to because you've been successful in business rather than saying oh, i'm grateful for my fucking porsche oh, i'm grateful for the opportunity that i had and being born in a wealthy and free country that gave me the opportunities to work on that or i'm grateful for the manner in which my wife supported me and looked after my children and ran the home so i could work extensive hours to create the wealth to facilitate that. This is what we're looking to get at. It's, it's above surface and it's a much deeper um, sort of level of gratitude, which will be much more meaningful and will resonate you with much more deeply. Now, again, another problem that we see and experience quite frequently here is that people just don't know how to do that. If you haven't trained your mind to operate in that way, then you won't be able to generate those thoughts yet. So a great framework you can use here is you can invert that question. And rather than saying, what am I grateful for? Because sometimes if you're in a pissed off mood and you're fucking angry at the world and you sit there with a blank pen of paper, it's gonna be very challenging 
challenging for you because all you'll be thinking is, I'm fucking grateful for fuck all, this is fucking shit. Okay, that's not helpful. So ask yourself, what are all the things in the world that I'm grateful that have not happened to me? And then it uses all the negativity and all the, the fucking horrendous stuff that's going on in the world and actually turns it to our advantage. So what are all the, the horrible things that happen in the world that I'm grateful haven't happened to me? So you've only got to turn on the news at the time of the recording of this podcast and we look at everything that's happening in Iran and everything that's happening in Ukraine and with Russia and everything that's happening all over the world. And then you can even bring it closer to home if you struggle to relate or identify with that. You can think of all the people who've been sat in a doctor's office and received a terminal diagnosis on that day and how much their world has just been fucking upturned. And that wasn't you. But all the people who receive a knock on the door and they're told that their partner won't be coming home today because they've been involved in a, in a fatal road traffic collision. And that hasn't happened to you. And when you do that, you'll realize, you know, you'll hold your loved ones just that little bit tighter and you'll be so much more grateful for what you have. You think about Ukraine and people's homes being fucking evaporated when they're actually nothing to do with the war effort. They're just innocent civilians and you're sat there in your warm, dry, safe home. You haven't got to worry about people banging the fucking door and ripping you out. You know, you've got so, so much to be grateful for. And that can be really, really impactful to flip the switch. And within a minute, generally you'll go from being quite disgruntled unfulfilled and pissed off and passive aggressive to realizing holy fuck it's actually not that bad i've got it pretty good and that will open the tap because when those neuromodulators start flowing you can then be much more proactive and much more um positive when it comes to the, the remainder of your journey practice if you're doing any more on that day so that's a fantastic one for gratitude next up we're going to talk about accountability so accountability is a fucking buzzword to say the least and more often than not people are, are really aspiring to get accountability it's definitely one of the core reasons why people join the hard to kill program is because to not put too fine a point in it most people have created an environment and a culture where they just have no fucking problem letting themselves down. You know, they say they're going to get up at six in the morning to go and do fizz, 6 a.m. alarm goes off, they fucking snooze it, they're like, ah, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, they say they're going to adhere to a diet, come to Friday night, they've had an emotional week and they believe that for some reason they deserve a pizza so they want the fucking Domino's or Chinese. They tell themselves they're not going to get shiters at the weekend and then it's been a stressful week, quote unquote. So what's going to fix it? Getting shiters, yeah, that'll work. So they just keep letting themselves down. Accountability um, is obviously the, the force is acting as a, as a positive positive sort of force in your life to hold you accountable to the things that you that you know that you need to do in the pursuit of the individual that you aspire to become and we often refer to something called the mirror test in the hard to, in the hard to kill program so how we use accountability is we're never going to shout at you we're never going to berate you or bollock you or talk down to you because it's fucking unnecessary right we're not school teachers we're not your fucking dad we're not here to give you a, a hard time but we are here to give you the brutal honest facts so more often than not the most impactful way we can do that is actually just hold a fucking mirror up to your face so someone tells us they're going to achieve x y and z and they're going to uh, do all of the hate behaviors associated with that. So I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then it turns out they're not fucking doing that and they're fucking kicking the can down the road and the shit can in it. We're not going to bollock you at all. We're just going to put a mirror in front of your face and say, right, you've got to answer to him because you said you wanted to achieve this, this, and this. And we're here and we've delivered everything for you. And you haven't done that. How does that make you feel that you've let yourself down and this is on no one else other than you, mate? Now, fortunately, we have extraordinarily driven individuals in the Hard to Kill program. We've got fantastic co-op clients. That's not a conversation we have that very often. And I, I can't assure them the last time we had to have that conversation. That is how we utilize accountability, simply holding a mirror in front of your face and saying, you know, is that really the person you aspire to be? And is that how they would behave? In which case, most people realize, fuck, no, it's really, really not. And I needed that wake up call. I needed that, that shock. I needed that reality check. So that is something that you can actually refine and distill into your journey practice by asking yourself this one question. If I were to look myself in the mirror, dead on in the eyes, and ask myself, have I done everything that I said I would do today to the very best of my ability, what would I answer? And it's a fucking yes or it's a fucking no. There is no gray space because people are like, well, I was gonna, but this, that, yeah. I don't give a fuck about I was gonna because that is the exact kind of excuse making and misdirection and avoidance and reluctance to take responsibility that gets people in the shit in the first place. It's a clear cut yes. 
It's a clear cut no. Have I done everything I said I would do today to the very best of my ability? If the answer is no, don't beat yourself about it. Don't self-deprecate. Don't self-criticize because that's not helpful. And we that's, again, the reason why we never berate any of our guys. You simply have to look at the facts and say, right, what did I say I was going to do? Was that actually realistic and attainable for me at this point in time? If the answer is yes, okay, why did I elect not to do it? Or why did I find myself not doing it? Did you procrastinate? Okay, why? What is the emotional issue here that needs dealt with? I didn't procrastinate. I just actually chose not to do it. Okay, why did I choose not to do it? And am I okay with that? Well, actually, I'm okay with not doing it. Okay, then it's obviously not a high degree of goal importance. So you're going through a series of questions. If, however, the answer is yes, I did everything that I said I would do to the best of my ability today. Fucking fantastic. But it doesn't stop there. We now have to ask, what were the factors that contributed to my performance today? Well, I got a fantastic light sleep last night. I remember waking up thinking I was really refreshed. Awesome sleep. What do I need to do to get to refine that and make sure that happens as much as is humanly practicable? Uh, my coffee was just right. I only had two coffees rather than a normal three, so I didn't feel as anxious this afternoon. Awesome. How can I make sure that that happens? How can I protect that behavior and guard my input so I don't overconsume caffeine and, and alter my physiological state? How can we how can we improve that moving forwards? I didn't go on my phone this morning. I normally get up and go straight on social media, but I didn't this morning. I actually had it outside of the bedroom. So I didn't even check my phone until lunchtime, which meant I got everything done like uh, fucking half 11:30. Okay, fantastic. That's obviously a uh, a really valuable habit for you and that's guarding your inputs. So what can we do to make sure that continues to happen even when we're tired, stressed, so on and so forth. So you understand it's about more than just that surface level question. It's about understanding. So as I've said from day one of this podcast, you know, we're looking at the psychological above, above just the logistical. Then we also have another question that comes in the bracket of accountability, which is what we refer to as a three, six, five test. And that question goes something like this. If I was to repeat this day for the next 365 days, would I have the results I aspire to have at the end of that year. And those results are obviously um, refined on what it is you actually aspire to achieve. So for me, they're multifactorial. I've got athletic goals, I've got personal goals, and I've got professional goals. Okay, and if I con if I if I had this day over and over again, would it actually be contributing to the positive outcomes in those spheres? So for you, let's pretend over the next year you want to run a marathon, you want to build your own business and I don't know, you want to get married. Is how you're behaving today contributing to those or detracting to those or are you just fucking stagnating? Okay, because that's going to work in, in, in multiple ways. First, you're going to have to ask, ask the question of, well, what, what do I need to do to contribute to that? So then it shines a light on, well, I actually don't have a fucking strategy at this point in time. That's a massive problem because I actually now have shone a light on the fact that I've just been spinning my wheels and going around in circles and hoping for the best and hoping I somehow close the discrepancy between where I am and where I aspire to be and hope is not a fucking action plan. So right, I need to do something about this. I need to take an action. Or, you know, you realize actually, yeah, so I aspire to get married and today I picked up some overtime, which means that I'm now going to have like a little bit more money in the bank, which we can obviously invest into the wedding. Uh, in terms of marathon, yeah, I went out and did my speed session today. That's fucking nipped. That's done. That's taken care of. You know, and you're actually then understanding that the actions you're doing on a daily basis are contributing to the person that you aspire to become. So that's how we utilize uh, accountability as a journey practice. Next up, we have got self-reflection, okay? So self-reflection is largely our propensity to look back at how we performed over the course of a day because most people tend to live on autopilot and they just fall through their day, get home, and then, again, just, just utilize practices, actions, and behaviors which are mind-numbing, whether that's consumption of alcohol, whether it's turning on TV, whether it's just scrolling on Instagram. Generally, we're looking to do something that gives us short-term gratification, that numbs us and distracts us away from our purpose and what it is we aspire to do over the long term. So if you're able to actually 
actually willingly invest this time into self-reflection, it is taking you out of autopilot and you're becoming mindful and you're starting to ask reflective questions about, okay, how are things actually going? How am I performing as a person, as a professional, as you know, anyone over a number of different roles, person, professional, uh, partner, you know, it could be anyone, a number of different things. And the first thing I would always recommend to do in opening this, this sort of chapter of self-reflection is celebrate your wins. Now, again, this can be something that people really struggle to do because a vast proportion of high performers and ambitious individuals typically are really shit at expressing gratitude. And, and then they're normally displaying something associated with perfectionism or toxic productivity, whereby nothing ever feels satisfying, nothing ever feels fulfilling. So they could they could literally win a world record and within seconds that has passed, they're already looking at, well, what's next? They're constantly dissatisfied by that. So understand this is a reflex that you have to train. And I, I genuinely believe this to be one of the best coaching programs in the world at helping people just change their perspectives ever so slightly. We run processes uh, called analysis and synthesis. So basically analyzing where someone's currently at in terms of all of their perspectives and their belief systems and worldviews and finding, um, I guess, lines of code that are dysfunctional and then bringing those together. So synthesizing it again with new paradigms, new perspectives and new belief systems that allow them to see the world in a different way. And because they have different perspectives, generally they have different beliefs, which means generally they have different actions and they have different behaviors, different habits and different outcomes. So again, you have to look at psychological in order to get the logistical changes. But understanding that wins are immeasurably valuable to you because it helps you realize that you know, if you've been working hard all day, there has been fruits of that labor. And these wins can be different on any one of a number of days. It's not always going to be a, a magnificent and fucking romanticized win of, yeah, I fucking climbed Everest today or yeah, set a PR in the gym. Sometimes if you're really up against it, it can be the bare basics of, okay, I made sensible choices with my nutrition today. And if I was to eat that way every day for the next year, yeah, I might not fucking achieve anything crazy with my body, but I know I'll be well nourished. I'll recover properly and I'll be able to continue to perform because I made good decisions. That was a big fucking win for me because some people under emotional stress and duress will either not eat or will just overeat total shite in an effort to seek comfort and an emotional sort of warmth. So that's a massive fucking win. So learning to really find the positives. And I'd always start out with wins. And then after that, you can use something that uh, we refer to as, or is referred to, should I say, sorry, as the stop five principle, okay? So some of our guys inside the program use this currently. It's also currently widely quite used in the, um, the NHS, the National Health Service, for those of you outside of the UK, uh, in a lot of law enforcement agencies. And I know we've got a few of our guys who are actually sort of section commanders who are now rolling this out and using it with their blokes as well to fantastic avail. So it's called the stop five. So S stands for summary of events. So write down, you know, in a few lines or a paragraph, a summary of your day, like what has actually happened. So we're looking to, to reflect and think, okay, what has happened? Because it's very easy by the time you get to the end of the day to forget what actually went well or what was a challenge for you earlier this morning. So actually reflect on how that day's been. So that's S. T is things that went well. So again, we're sort of building on our wins here. So not just what we did really well, but things in the day that have gone well and looking for, okay, what actions did we undertake and what behaviors are we displaying that have facilitated that going really, really well. For the O, we've got opportunities to improve. So for want of a better phrase, this is where have or where can I get better? What what, what fuck ups were there? And and if it was a fuck up or if it didn't go as well as anticipated, why? Like where are my opportunities to improve across the course of my day? So maybe you had a, a, a tax task that you wanted to um, do or facilitate, and you procrastinated for twenty minutes before it before you actually got it done. You spent twenty minutes scrolling on social media because you were avoiding it. Okay, opportunities to improve. I could have saved myself twenty minutes there if I hadn't procrastinated. So if I look at removing my phone from a situation, if I look at how I'm approaching tasks or thinking about that task, then I'm actually going to be more productive. 
productive and more intentional, which means I get 20 minutes more fucking time with my missus tonight, whatever it may be. And then we've got the P, which is points to take forward. So now we know what went well. We know like generally how the day went. We know where our opportunities are. What do we need to do moving forward? And what are the kind of lessons that we're now going to work on moving forward? So for self-reflection, the stop five is really, really in a, uh, sort of beneficial. Next up, we've got like the intent of creating stillness and gaining some degree of control over, you know, your events in the day and just finding stillness in terms of if we've got racing thoughts or we've got like intrusive thoughts and we actually want to kind of like slow down and gain a degree of control over our thoughts and essentially take stop. So this is a fantastic question when you're in a dynamic situation, you know, maybe you've got a very, very high operational tempo at work at the moment. So you're working 12, 14, 16 hour days and it's very easy to start feeling stressed, to start feeling flustered, to start worrying if you're doing the right thing, if you're good enough, so on and so forth. But understand it is a natural psychological phenomenon. That as you get more tired and as you get more fatigued, our resilience will drop and any one of a number of different studies you aspire to look at will show you that. that as you get more tired, resilience will drop. So you will succumb to more emotionally driven thoughts that start questioning your self-worth, so on and so forth. And for us, this is actually why we use hard physical training as essentially reconnaissance and surveillance over where your inner narratives currently are. Because when you are really, really tired and when you're you know, constantly up against it and you're in a, a situation of, of stress and duress, that's when you're going to learn a lot about yourself and where your beliefs currently are and what that inner narrative is currently saying to you. Now, obviously, we don't always want to make you stressed, fatigued and put you in a situation of duress, but training is sort of a safe and contained environment whereby we can initiate some degree of fatigue and then we can listen to what's going on here and we can address and identify accordingly. So when you've initiated that stress or when you're feeling stressed or pressured or any of the, the, the emotions associated with that, what we've got to do is quickly take stock. If we're starting to flap, we're starting to get worked up, we're starting to get overwhelmed, one of the best questions you can ask yourself, and I've used this multiple occasions over the past few years, is stop. What additional options is this emotion giving me right now? So you're under pressure. Like work is a very high tempo of operations and it's a relatively frenetic situation. You maybe got some home stress going on as well. You've got a deadline that's coming up and you're not sure if you're going to hit it. You've got, you know, things going on with training and there's just all these different things. It's literally things coming at you from all different angles. And as a result, you're flapping, you feel anxious, you're scared that you're not good enough, you worry that people are going to evaluate you, you're not going to get this fucking work in by the deadline. And it's just counterproductive for you actually performed at the very best of your ability. So get the fucking journal out and you write the question, what additional options is this current emotion giving me? What's current emotion? I feel anxious. Why do I feel anxious? Because I'm fearful that I'm not good enough and people don't think I'm, I'm a fucking failure and that I'm an imposter because I'm obviously not delivering on what I'm supposed to be delivering on. I should know this, so on and so forth. Right, okay. How is that fucking helping me? Well, it's not. Okay, fantastic. It's not. That's not going to make you kill that emotion straight away, but it's going to help any logical individual flip from an emotionally driven thought process to quite a logical one very, very quickly and realize, okay, this is not helping me. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to get control of the situation. The second thing you can do then to get stillness and control is draw a mind map. So in the center of your page, marks mind, and then simply just write all the things that are on your mind and circle them. And anything that comes off it, just write it out. And I guarantee it's far, far less than you thought. Maybe three, four, five different things. But all you're going to do is just go around and write, what's the fucking, what's the common denomination between these? And start writing out your solutions. So we're going from emotional and we're actually thinking and taking action and we're creating logical solutions. Because then you can very quickly, very palpably see, what well, is this inside my control? No, okay. 
fuck it off. It's not inside my locus of control. So there's absolutely zero point in wasting energy, time or bandwidth on that. Get it fucked off. This is inside my control. Yes, what needs to be done? I need to have that conversation. Am I going to avoid it? Am I going to sit on it? Am I going to procrastinate on it? No, it needs to be had. Right, boom, get that fucking text sent. That's done. That can be ticked off. And then you can begin to work through things. And that's going to give you stillness because as a high performer and as an ambitious individual, the greatest gift you have for the world is watching the top two inches. And in order to actually utilize that, you tune into it. So you need to have stillness. You need to have control. Also, if um, you're, you're feeling stressed and you're feeling flustered because your expectations aren't coming true, so you're maybe finding something harder than you anticipated, a great question you can ask under this bracket of stillness and control is, well, what would the disadvantage be if my expectations were to come true? So let's say, for an example, you've been to a jiu-jitsu class and you just got absolutely fucking smashed. Every round you're in, smashed, 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 smashed. Even though you thought you were doing pretty well. In you know, the last few weeks, you've learned some new techniques, you've really refined them, you know how to utilize them, but you didn't even get the opportunity in five, five-minute rounds and you got fucking fingered all day long. You're going home, you're fucking terrible between your legs, your head's up your ass, you think, fuck jiu-jitsu, I'm not fucking doing it anymore. And just on a side note, anyone who's done jiu-jitsu for a period of time will <laughs> You've, we've had those fucking days. It's powerful, of course. But sometimes it feels inescapable that you think, fuck this, I can't be fucking bothered anymore. Okay, it could be the exact same with work. It could be you've been working really hard and you've put together multiple projects over the past week and you've submitted all those and they've been red penned and fucked off back to you and you're told like you're not going to get promotion if you carry on like that. Again, tail between your legs, head up your ass, very emotionally driven thoughts and you're just flapping and freaking out. Stop and ask yourself the question, what would the disadvantage be if my expectations were to come true? So that's going to make you do two things. First, First and foremost, it's going to make you question what your expectations actually were, which is highlighting the fact you had expectations in the first place. And secondly, it's going to help you understand that all frustration comes from expectations not being met. So the jiu-jitsu analogy and example I gave you, okay, what, what do you expect? That you could learn two techniques and all of a sudden you could start beating people who've been training for 10 fucking years. Is that really what you expected? Okay, cool. Bit of a gut check there. And you know, you'll sort of swallow your pride and like, okay, that was a dysfunctional expectation. And that's why I now feel frustrated. And actually, if my if my expectation was true that I could learn two new techniques and I could beat people who've been training for 10 years, I would not be interested in pursuing this as a sport. I would not respect the highest guys in the game. I would not respect the best players in the sport. And actually, I probably wouldn't be that interested in training. I like it because it's hard. I like it because of the respect people give me when they know that I train it. So you've got to understand that if your expectation were to come true, actually that would be bad for you. And it enables you to go, okay, right, I'm going to stop showing off, stop sticking my bottom lip out and I'm going to be okay with it. And I'm actually going to like align myself with someone who, who continues turning up to do the hard work because I aspire to be that person who just fucking smashed me. And me in 10 years will thank me now for keep turning up and keep going and keep doing the right thing. Again, the same with the work analogy. What did you expect? Oh, I thought, well, if I, if I did this work really, really well, then I'd be in line for promotion. Well, you've been here six months, you've, you've basically just done your job. Yeah, you've done your job really, really well. And it's important you recognize, acknowledge that and you're holding space for yourself in journal to celebrate your wins. But did you really, really think you were going to get promoted because you did two things well over the course of six months? Screw the nut for yourself, okay? You've got to be realistic with your expectations here. So what I'm going to do with that now, okay, well, having seen it through that lens, I realized that it maybe was a little bit naive that I could thought I could race my way to the top and actually I'm in a little bit of a rush. So maybe to slow down, regulate my expectations and, and focus on being consistently good rather than just putting all my effort into being a superman for two weeks and just turn up and enjoy this process enjoy my job and when the time comes the time will come so that's a fantastic couple of questions that you can utilize to create stillness and control penultimately we have the worry journal okay now this is obviously not an official name for it but it's what we coined it in the hard to kill program we are all going to go through periods and, and tempos in life when before we go to bed we just cannot calm our mind we've got racing thoughts like literally thoughts are whirring through our brain at a million miles an hour and that is not conducive to restful 
restful and restorative sleep. So it could be you're getting home from training at half nine, you've got to be in bed by 10. It could be you're getting home from work and you were supposed to be fucking in bed an hour ago. It could be any one of a number of different things. But I have to say through experience, it's normally work that tends to be the most pressing concern and worry and stress for people. And it might be that they've got a deliverable outcome in a couple of weeks and they feel that they're behind or their boss is riding them and there's just so much pressure on at the moment or they could be gearing up for operational deployments and there's so much to get ready and so many things to get wrong and so many affairs to get in order. It could be literally anything. As we've just discussed, that is not conducive to restful and restorative sleep and it's not conducive to you becoming the very best version of yourself because your your clinic, your ability to make clinical decisions is going to be diminished. Your ability to operate with logical thought rather than emotional bias is going to be diminished and it's just going to take so, so much away from you. It's going to strip far more away from you than it ever gives you. So the worry journal is something we can do in sort of 30 minutes before we go to bed where we literally write down all of the things that we're worried about. And this is very, very similar to, you know, the, the self-reflection piece with the stop five and doing the mind maps, but you, you can literally write down what you're worried about. Now, the truth is most people have a, a real difficulty of being truly honest with themselves here because it's, it's very, very hard to do in the first instance. But again, you can train yourself to do this and just show total integrity in that pen and paper, that black and white. So, you know, if you're under pressure from your boss to deliver an outcome and you're freaking out and you write down, I'm just, I'm just worried that I'm not going to get this work done on time. Two things are going to happen. One, when you write it down, you're going to realize that some of it might actually be outside of your control. And to that extent, it will be a calming and relaxing feeling in the first instance. Or secondly, as you're writing it down, you realize that most of that, if not all of it, is actually inside of your control, in which case you're going to immediately start to create solutions in your mind. And you're like, well, what can I do? Well, I could do that. Okay, we'll do that. Well, okay, we'll do that. And you can start to literally map this out. And as a result, either of those two processes that take place, sometimes both, in fact, you're actually going to calm your thoughts down and you work through all of the four, the five, the six things that are racing for your brain and you write it down and understand that so many of our fears when it comes to work and evaluation is, is simply put a fear of not being good enough. And when you're able to be that truly honest and vulnerable with yourself, very, very quickly, you can surrender to the situation and ask, well, what can I can control? I'm going to focus on controlling that. And so in the morning, I'm going to create a strategy to do boom, 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 boom. Okay, cool. I'm at peace with that. I'll get my fucking head down. And it is a skill. Again, it's not one that's going to be plug and play that you refine and you distill and you harbor. And over the course of days and weeks, I honestly guarantee this will start to allow you to get greater amounts of restful and restorative sleep, even when you are very, very stressed. And that is a skill of resilience. And that is a skill of high performance because any fucking idiot can do things to the best of their ability when it is calm, safe, calm waters, okay? For want of a better phrase. The actual skill is being able to perform consistently to the best of your ability, even when everything around you is undulating, volatile, uncertain, and common complex and ambiguous and continuing to turn up and do the basics to a very, very high standard day in, day out, even though you're not seeing an immediate ROI. You know that benefit is coming a lot further down the line, but you're able to continue turning up and doing it. And journaling is the number one practice, in my professional opinion, that is going to facilitate you actually doing that. So that's the worry journal. And then lastly, we have sort of question pertaining to self-leadership. And in my honest opinion, that's the reason that most individuals come to work with us here at the Hard to Kill program is because they aspire to become leaders, not only to themselves, but also to their family units, to their colleagues, co co-workers, um, everyone around them, they aspire to leave them with a sense of increase. And they aspire to be that person that walks into a room and is not arrogant, but just has an air of confidence about them because they are the person who will take a hard right over a hard wrong because they're able to make the correct decision because they're leading themselves through life effectively. So in testing times and in testing and challenging situations, that's often what is going to give us the confidence to begin to lead ourselves most effectively. If in testing and challenging situations, we tend to rescind, we tend to retreat, and we go back to archetypal emotional coping mechanisms 
medicines and we need to overeat or fucking start taking drugs or start uh, consuming alcohol. None of those make you a bad person, but I'm sure you'd agree they're not necessarily habits that we would associate to, to be, uh, sorry, aspire to be associated with. And they're not necessarily behaviors we would uh, aspire to, to display. So instead, we actually have to ask in really testing and challenging times, the simple question, in what way is this situation growing me? And equipping me to become a more experienced and stronger human for the future. And there's many different iterations of that question, but it's always the same intent. Like in what way is this situation growing me? So whether you're being pressured or stressed from work or from relationships, or you know you had expectations and you're just feeling an almost amount of stress or anxiety, actually asking, well, what is this giving to me? And there's a great quote that I heard from a photographer I worked with a while ago, a guy called Martin Irvine, who I'm still friends with to this day. And he uh, had a fantastic uh, affirmation. We always take more from a challenge than we allow it to take from us. So understand when you are being challenged, and when you are being pressured and you are feeling stressed that there is teaching you something and if you care to go back as far as um, you know sort of stoic philosophy you can look at the obstacle is the way which is a fantastic book by Ryan Holiday and look at the fact that the impasse is actually the path itself that this this hardship and this adversity has come and you might not have chosen it more often than not you wouldn't have chosen it for yourself but it's actually teaching you something at that moment it might be teaching you something about yourself it might be diverting you down a route that's actually more advantageous for you but you have to choose to see that and asking that question in what way is the situation grown me is a fantastic framework and paradigm and perspective through which you can look to immediately identify where is the opportunity and how, how am I going to capitalize that opportunity? Because in challenge, there are two types of people. There are people who see a threat and there are people who see an opportunity. And I can safely say that we would all aspire to be the second. And this is a fantastic framework to facilitate that. So over the course of this, this podcast and this content, we've obviously run through sort of the most common problems that are associated with journaling. We've run through why it is of enormous importance that we actually begin a journaling practice. And then we've run through a number of different frameworks, but understand and as I said at the very beginning, this is not necessarily going to be a one size fits all. It's not going to be a plug and play solution. And I generally implore you to actually go away and work on this. And in terms of what kind of journal you need, you really don't need any kind of complex or pre-formatted or expensive journal. And I, I said at the beginning that I would touch upon this. I, for one, do not necessarily believe in the necessity or benefit of pre-formatted journals, because what they do is they, 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 they contain your thinking. You're only going to answer the questions that are in front of you. And often through the necessity to sell merchandise and sell a product, they going to give you a quick hit. They're going to give you a warm and fuzzy feeling. The truth is success is 50% gratitude and 50% drive. And if all you're doing is expressing 90% gratitude, then what tends to happen is people tend to rest on their laurels because they're always getting this warm and fuzzy feeling. They think, yeah, everything's mega. Until they actually switch into reality and realize that, yeah, whilst I'm grateful for certain things, when was the last time I actually was truly driven and aspired to achieve more and wanted to correct my behaviors and go on to achieve greater things and look at how was this challenge growing me and seeking challenge rather than avoiding it as a threat. So I don't necessarily believe in them for that exact reason. And I, I personally just use like a blank moleskin. I use a large size that's lined. I've experienced, I've experimented with dotted and different paperweights. And when you start to get into it and you realize that the benefit it can have for you and how advantageous it is to your life, to your business, to your relationships, to every facet of your life, I actually started investing in it a little bit. So I always ensure that I have a nice journal. I always ensure that I write with a fountain pen because then it, it gives me a fantastic um, exercise and mindfulness in itself. So I'm not saying in the first instance, go out and buy a fucking uber expensive journal and a, and a Montblanc fountain pen. I'm not saying do that. But I'm saying make a ritual out of it, make an experience out of it and just get yourself a blank journal as a fucking pen and paper. It can be a right in the rain, can be a fucking A5 pad and a biro. The point is that you're doing it and you're turning up consistently. And I generally believe in the importance of doing it sort of seven days per week. Now it doesn't have to be a rigor. It doesn't have to be something you sit down, fucking burning midnight oil, writing and scribing for an hour. It should be a flash. It should be your intrinsic wisdoms and thoughts that are coming out. And we're not trying to architect 
any falsified answers. Only you are ever going to read this. You can fucking blow smoke up your ass as much as you want. You can waffle on and talk shit and make yourself have delusions of grandeur, or you can rip yourself down, you can pull yourself apart and stamp all over yourself. It's only going to impact and affect you. So the quicker you understand that and, and accept a degree of vulnerability, the quicker it will be more impactful and advantageous for you. And just turning up for five to 10 minutes every evening and just writing out or answering these sorts of questions and exploring how you feel and how you've responded to certain situations and how you aspire to achieve um, certain things in the future or how you aspire to respond to the same challenge in the future is enormously impactful because those are the practices that are associated with high performance is turning up and doing the non-sexy stuff that you're not getting an immediate benefit from that you know is going to positively impact you in, in years to come. That is what the, it's, it's the art of becoming high performance and that is the art of becoming a hard to kill candidate and successful hard skill client who passed out of the program is learning how to become more self-aware and how to regulate their emotions and having the nth degree of emotional sophistication because they've studied themselves. And we use the quote in the Hard to Kill program, have you met yourself? Like, do you actually know how you respond to stress? Are you aware of how you respond in any one of a number of given different situations? And do you know how to regulate your emotions? Do you know how to regulate and get the best from yourself in any one of a number of different situations and scenarios? And if you haven't done this as a practice, if you haven't studied yourself uh, for weeks and months, and some people even years, arguably years would be, it would be uh, a non-negotiable for many, then you really can't answer that question because you must first meet yourself and then you must learn to rely on yourself. And I truly believe us to be impactful in doing that. So guys, hopefully that helps. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I know it's been a little bit of a longer one, but if you've enjoyed it, I'd really, really value and benefit if you were to drop me a comment or drop me a message and let me know if it was useful, if it was positive, if it was impactful and beneficial, or if there's anything you'd like to, to, to challenge me on, anything you'd like to probe or learn more about, or do you think is outright wrong? I, I implore you to not just agree with me just because I'm here talking on a podcast. I implore you to be... Um, contrarian and to ask questions in order that you actually understand the topic to a greater extent. But guys, I hope that was helpful. I really look forward to the next episode.